Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, I'm so happy again just to be here with all of you guys. Uh, If you're new here, Centering Prayer is really a moment for you to get centered with the God within you, with the energy within you, to kind of let go of everything that we experienced before we arrived, to allow a moment of openness, to allow all of God's grace to enter into into you. And we do this so that when we receive the message right after, we're open. We've let go of whatever happened before we got here. We're not worried about what's to come. We're just present, right? We're connected with our breath and we invite uh, all of God's love and his energy and presence into our beings. So we're going to get started, seated, nice uh, tall spine. And let's close our eyes. And we're going to all take a deep breath. So slowly begin to inhale nice and big. And then gently exhale. Again, you're going to slowly inhale, fill up the belly nice and big. Exhaling, releasing all of the air. Again, we slowly inhale nice and big. And then vocal. As you continue your breathing, allow this to become a personal moment with you and God. We start to release and let go of all the thoughts that are running through the mind. We start to let go of all the emotions, all the energies that we received and are experiencing. And instead, we bring our focus to the very moment that we are experiencing, the very breath that God has blessed us with. allowing each inhale to create space within yourself. And as you exhale, allowing yourself to go deeper within. Each breath is an invitation, an invitation to open up, to allow the heart to open, to break down all the walls. And as we exhale, we're invited to go deep within. The deeper we go, the more we can experience of our true self. We start to let go of all that we think we need to do. We release who we think we need to be. We forgive. We give ourselves grace. We are reminded in this very moment of the pureness within us. We are all of God's children. We were created with purpose and love. There are no mistakes when it comes to the children of God. We were created in His image. 
full of purpose, full of love, given from the highest divinity. As you continue to breathe, allow yourself to feel all the peace. Allow yourself to let go of anything that is not serving to you. Embrace this moment for the gift that it is. A blessing to surrender. A blessing to allow God to take our troubles, to carry the burden. Trust enough to let go even more. Even if for just a moment, allow yourself to sink so deep within that even the body feels as if it was floating. The heart is open. The mind has drifted. The breath connects us. Take a deep inhale, nice and big. Vocal. We're gonna place our palms facing down, but don't place them on your thighs, not on the body, just kind of hovering above. And I want you to release any energy that is not serving to you. Let's release all of the fears, all of the burdens. Allow this moment to truly be an opportunity for you to let go. Be vulnerable enough to release even the deepest, darkest parts within you. You know what is not serving to you. You know what is holding you back. Take this moment to truly release it all. We're gonna face our palms up. And now we receive. Receive all of God's love, his grace. He's forgiven you already. Forgive yourself. He's inviting you to let go of the past and to embrace the present moment. No matter of the circumstance, know that God is right here with you, guiding you, speaking to you. Open up your heart so you can see him, so you can hear and experience him. Let's place our palms on our hearts. And let's all take a deep breath. We inhale nice and big. And as we exhale, allow yourself to feel lighter. Feel the heart beating, reminding you of all your purpose. You were created with purpose, with an intention. No matter the stories that have been told to you, 
the one who governs us all, created you with love, with power and abundance, with the ability to create and manifest the life that you wish and desire. Allow yourself to remain aligned with God. Allow him to guide your steps and see how this earth becomes heaven. As we release our arms, we take another deep breath, inhaling nice and big, exhaling. Take a moment to notice how you are breathing now. Take a moment to notice how the body is feeling, how the mind is doing. Take a moment to honor this very moment that we are sharing together, the very blessing that God has provided for us. This peace was not found outside of yourself, but rather deep within you. When we shut off the exterior, we find the peace within us. Let's take one more deep breath together. We inhale. Vocal. Gently bringing your awareness back within, blinking the eyes open when you're ready. May peace and love always be with you. Amen, my friends. Good morning. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to Heartway. If it's your first time, so honored to have you here with us. This is a very special community to a lot of us that call this place home. We are a spiritual community that is centered on love. I'm not really the biggest religious guy, but I do like to say love is my religion. Love is a universal language that everybody can understand. Doesn't matter what background you come from the culture that you grew up in, what your religious or political preference may be. Love has the power to unite people together that are polar opposite of one another. And so in this room, we celebrate the fact that we don't all look the same, think the same, act the same, and yet we can come together with empathy, with compassion, and with understanding to create a better world. I don't know about you, but that's something for me that's worth giving my life for. And that's why I'm here. That's why I keep showing up. That's why so many of you continue to show up. And so my hope is that every week as you guys come, you can get your spiritual battery recharged. You know, you can get refreshed on the inside so that you can leave uh, this room and actually make an impact wherever you are, spreading Love, spreading goodness, spreading compassion, being an individual who lives to serve others and to point people to the beauty of God. And the best way to do that is through the way that you actually live your life. 
If you're not going to be about it, don't talk about it. So I like to say truth is not understood unless it is lived. And so we care about living the truth here at Heartway. Because paying lip service isn't going to do anybody any good. We got enough religious people and spiritual people who talk a big game. And they can tell you about all of the mysteries of the universe. They can unravel all of the intricacies with their deep knowledge from all the books that they've read. But they're unhappy. They're not at peace. They lose their patience like this. And listen, we're human. It happens. When that happens to you, be kind to yourself. Be gentle to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. The scriptures say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so when you have received the love of God in that way, you don't got to shame yourself or condemn yourself because you've slipped or you've fallen. I was listening to one of my favorite gospel songs this morning as I was getting ready to come here and be with you all by a guy named Donnie McClurkin. You guys okay? We got a couple gospel music uh, fans in the room. And he has a song called We Fall Down. You know about that? Come on, Marvin. Marvin, he's like, don't try me. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. Oh, yeah. Because a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. That's it. That's all we're doing. That's all it is. You fall down, we get up. And some of us, were walking with a limp. But it's okay. It's okay. Thank you guys for being here. So the title of the message this morning is called Total Alignment. And the big idea today that I want you to take home is this. Why are you laughing so hard? You always be doing that. I love it, though. It's like, great. Is the title of this message aligned with your life? Perfect. Great. I love it. Total alignment. Here's the big idea that I want you to take home with you. Everything in your life is perfectly aligned for the fulfillment of your destiny, even though you may not always feel that that is so. In order to be able to see that everything in your, line, in your life is perfectly aligned, there has to be a shift in your perception. And the secret to happiness that I think a lot of people are unaware of is that nothing in your life has to change for you to experience it other than your perception. When your perception changes, your world changes, even when your circumstances don't. In the Christian tradition, in the early church specifically, they used to speak of something called the beatific vision. This was like the end goal of the spiritual life, was to be able to see this vision. The word beatific simply means bliss or blessed or happy. And vision is to see. So the beatific vision is to see something that makes you feel a sense of bliss and happiness and blessedness. Well, who and what is the source of all bliss and blessedness and happiness? 
It's God. So when you see God in everything and you see everything in God, that is when you have attained this blessed vision. And sometimes I like to add just another O to the word God. Okay? So seeing God in everything and seeing everything in God is seeing the good in everything and seeing everything as being good. How can somebody attain that vision in this world where there's so much pain, so much hurt, so much suffering? Well, when you're able to recognize that everything in your life is connected to everything else, when you begin to see that there is a necessity to the way that things unfold, that vision gives you the feeling of bliss. It gives you the feeling of joy, of happiness, of peace. See, there's nothing in your life that is random or out of place. There is a divine purpose in everything that you experience, in everything that you go through. It's all there to bless you, all of it. The setbacks, the heartaches, the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations, they're all there to bless you. And if you allow God to do his work in your life, you could be going through the worst time of your life and it will be that exact situation that will be a catalyst for your growth. It'll increase your faith. It'll expand your spiritual capacity. You'll learn more about yourself and you'll become a more mature and wise individual. See, the scriptures say that God does everything for us, not against us. And it's important for us to really ingrain that belief within our minds. At first, by the way, if you don't see that this is true, you've got to just believe that it is until finally you don't even need to believe it anymore because you just see that that's the way things are. But for some of us, we have to start with belief. We have to start at that level because I, I don't see how... God is always working things out for my good. I don't see how this is working in my favor because this seems to be against me. Well, start believing that that is so, even though you can't see how that may be. That's the tough part because those moments when we see how everything is aligned, I mean, it's easy to be happy in those moments. It's beautiful. I, I saw a book the other day titled God Winks. And I love that. I don't know if the book is good, so don't, like, don't go and, like, buy it. But I saw it on Amazon. It says, God winks. And I'm like, wow, yes. Anybody ever felt those moments when, you know, something happens, like, God winks at you? Like, you're on the right path. You know what I'm saying? It's that synchronicity. You're going in the right direction. I see you. I'm with you. You thought you were alone. No, I'm carrying you. I'm walking with you through this. I had a little moment like that this week in the hospital. I was in a family lounge in our ICU and I was praying with a, a family that was going through some very difficult times and there was a woman I, I don't know what she does at the hospital if she's a, a nurse or maybe she works in the environmental services team I don't know but she was there getting some water in the lounge and she saw me praying with this family and as I was leaving the room she kept looking at me and so I was like hey how are you and she came up to me beautiful lady she came up to me she was very enthusiastic and passionate. She grabbed my hand and she's like, ooh. I was like, I was like, are you all right? She was like, ooh, I feel the presence. I was like, okay. And I knew, 
I knew as soon as she did that with the lean too, she said, oh, soon as she did that lean back, I'm like, she's about to go off. She's about to spit a fire word at me right now. And she did. She just started, she just started going. And she's, one of the things that she said to me that really stuck with me, it almost brought tears to my eyes just because of, you know, what, just what it means to me on a very deep personal level. She says, you've been sowing seeds. You've been sowing seeds. You've been sowing seeds. And now is the time for your harvest. I said, oh, my God. I started going like that, too. I was like, ooh, now I feel it. Woo. <laughs> she was great. And then at the, end, at the end of that interaction, she's like, the Lord wants to give you a hug. I'm like, come here, mama. And she, comes, she gives me a hug, and she's like, ooh, yes. She brings me down with her. Yes. But that was, that was a, 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 a moment where I experienced God winking at me. You know, I was like, man, I've been, you know, sometimes you, you, it feels like your, your work goes unseen. You know, sometimes it feels like you're just doing and doing and doing, but you're not getting anything in return. And that's why the scriptures say don't grow weary of doing good because in due time you will reap your harvest. And I needed that word. Spoke to me. God winks. But what happens when we don't see God winking at us, can we trust that everything is still in perfect and total alignment, even though we can't see that it is so? What is it that helps us to be able to do that? Well, it's learning how to accept the situation, even though you may not understand it. If you can learn how to embrace whatever it is that you're facing in your life, even though you may not know what it means yet, you're going to be okay. You just got to ask God to give you enough strength to put one foot in front of the other. And through patience, through perseverance, eventually it will be revealed to you. But you've got to be okay dwelling in the unknown for a little bit. What allows you to do that is entering into this state of total surrender. Say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I'm going to accept it. I'm going to roll with it. I don't know what this signifies for my life, but I'm not just going to go all the way to the negative side. I'm going to stay in neutral, and I'll let you show me in due time how this is good. In the Psalms, David prays, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. How do we get there? How do we get there? Faith. Acceptance. That's what gets you there. See, everything that happens to you in life has its place. The reason why a lot of us suffer is because there are aspects of our story that we wish weren't there. But if it happened to you in your past, it's a part of your story whether you like it or not. And if you try and pretend like it's not a part of your story, all you're doing is repressing a whole bunch of emotions that are going to end up bringing you to a state of ruin because unconsciously, since you haven't brought all of that to the surface, it's going to be running the way you live your life. You're going to be projecting all of that anger and that bitterness onto other people. Before you know it, you're just going to be carrying a negative attitude in life. All the time because you're carrying around unhealed memories. So any time the thought of that person 
or the thought of that situation comes up, all of those feelings associated with it are going to rise to the surface too. And you're going to live miserable. You can't carry unhealed memories and expect to be happy. Healing happens when you're willing to own your story. When you're willing to integrate all of those experiences into your story. When you can make peace with your past. Not because you like it, but because you understand you can't change it. And so you got to go with it. You got to go with it. In the Hebrew scriptures, there's a story about a man named Joseph. Anybody ever heard the story of Joseph? Incredible story. Incredible story. Full of divine alignment and synchronicity. Joseph was the son of a man named Jacob. Jacob was the son of Abraham. Okay, so this is a significant lineage through which eventually Christ would come. That's why this story is so important. So Joseph happened to be Jacob's favorite child. Joseph had 11 other siblings, and they all didn't like him that much because dad favored Joseph. And Joseph, I don't know what in the world was going through this guy's mind. He had a dream one day that his brothers and all of his family members were bowing down before him. And like a idiot, he tells his brothers that. What do you think is going to happen if you tell your siblings, I had a dream that all of y'all are going to be bowing down to me one day? They're going to whoop you behind. So they did what siblings would naturally do in that time. They sold them into slavery. They said, get out of here, bro. You're done. You're done. Threw the man into slavery. Okay? Happens to be, happens to be that Joseph was sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar, who was a very high-ranking official in Egypt. He worked very closely with the Pharaoh. So, Joseph is now serving this high-ranking official. Joseph is being faithful. He's doing his thing. Obviously, he's suffering tremendously because he just went through a very traumatic experience. As he's there serving Potiphar, Potiphar has a wife who was a 10 out of 10. Okay? And she liked Joseph. So she said, come here, baby boy. I like me a, a, a Hebrew man. So they, you know, she brings him into the room and she offers herself to Joseph. Joseph was a man of integrity. He said, no, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can do this. He tells her no. She never had nobody tell her no before. And so she gets mad and she later falsely accuses Joseph of trying to sleep with her. So she tells her husband, this man, your servant, tried to sleep with me. Can you believe that? Potiphar was not happy about it. Throws Joseph into prison. So think about the story up to this point. Your brothers sell you into slavery. Then you're being faithful. You're trying to honor God. You're trying to do the right thing and doing the right thing gets you into trouble. Now you're in a worse condition than you initially were. I love this passage of Scripture, though. Look at what it says. 
While Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Joseph probably didn't feel this to be true. He probably didn't feel that God was with him when he was being thrown in prison. He was probably saying to himself, God, what? I'm doing everything that I can do to be a man of integrity, to live by godly values. And this is where I end up. Lo and behold, God was with him even there. And he gave him favor to the point where the prison warden put Joseph in charge of some responsibilities. So here he was again in a leadership capacity. Now, while Joseph was in prison, he meets a man who was the cupbearer of the Pharaoh. Okay, so he would uh, taste wine and then serve it to the Pharaoh. This cupbearer offended Pharaoh. Pharaoh threw him in prison. When he ends up in prison, he meets Joseph. The cupbearer had a dream. He didn't know how to interpret the dream. And Joseph offered to him an interpretation of his dream. And he says, what this dream signifies is that in just a few days, you are going to be restored back to your position of honor. And that's exactly what happened. Joseph had that gift of interpreting dreams. A couple of days later, the cupbearer returns to his position of honor. And the scriptures say that he forgot about Joseph. He forgot about him. Man, tough, 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 tough. Because that could have been his ticket out. But he forgot about Joseph. Two years later, the scriptures say, two years later, Joseph's still in prison. Pharaoh has a dream. He doesn't know what it means. He asks all the wise people, in his counsel to interpret the dream for him. Nobody knows what the dream means. And the cupbearer remembered Joseph. He said, you know, I, I met a man in prison who interpreted my dream, and I think he can help you. So Pharaoh calls Joseph out of prison, and Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh says, there is no one wiser than this man. I need you to work for me. So now Joseph gets out of prison. He gets his uh, out-of-jail-free card thanks to Pharaoh, and he becomes one of the highest, basically the second in command in all of Egypt. Mind you, this was 20 years later from that initial moment when he was sold into slavery. So now 20 years later, after experiencing just... So much pain, so much difficulty, being forgotten, being ignored, being lied on. 20 years later. See, it never comes when you think it's going to come. 20 years later, he's, now he is the second in command in the most powerful nation in the ancient Near East. Well, Joseph starts operating in his new role. And now there's a famine in the land. So all of the surrounding countries go to Egypt for food supply. And guess who's in charge of the food supply? Joseph. He determines how it's going to be distributed. Remember Joseph's family? That tribe? 
They were hungry. There was a famine. They got to go to Egypt. And when they get to Egypt, who do they see? Is Joseph. They didn't recognize him. Obviously, it's been years. He was just a, he was just a teenager when all that had happened. But Joseph knew who those people were. And Joseph was messing with them for a little while until eventually he decided to reveal himself. And when he revealed himself, oh, my God, they shuddered in fear. Because what is this guy going to do to us after we treated him that way? And Joseph had to practice some forgiveness, a lot of forgiveness. Because I know what some of y'all would do to your siblings if that were the case. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Y'all are waiting for the got you moment, waiting to get revenge. Revenge don't really make you feel better, by the way. Temporary satisfaction, that's for sure. So Joseph reveals himself to them. And as they're worrying, they're scared out of their minds. Look at, look at what Joseph says. Look at his attitude, his perspective. He says, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Come on, somebody. That's good. That's so good. I remember a while ago I was working in a place that had a pretty unhealthy culture. And the leaders led with fear and dominance. And naturally, in that kind of environment, it's easy to feel like your job is not secure. You know, so I kind of felt like that. I was like, you know, I don't know how long this is going to last because this is a a, a fear-driven place. So they succeeded (laughs) in instilling that in me. I don't, I don't feel like this may last. What's going to happen? And I remember talking to a, a mentor who said, Danny, who is it that put you in that position? He said, God put you there, which means only God can take you out. As soon as he said that, it was such a shift for me. It was like, oh, like a peace that overwhelmed me because, yes, it was God who put me here. And it is only God who can take me out. So if something were to happen and this position were no longer mine, it's because God doesn't want me here anymore. I'm not looking at it at the surface level. This person hired me, so this person has the power to fire me, so now I have to please them. No, God put me here. And God will take me when it's time. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're looking at the things that people have done to you. You're just focusing on that. But you don't realize that behind them is God working out his master plan. See, God sent me here, not you. You meant it to harm me. God meant it for good. That's the perspective that helps you see the way that everything in your life is in total and complete alignment with his will. It cannot be any other way. 
Now, think about Joseph's story for a moment. Had he not been sold into slavery? First of all, what, what made him even utter that dream to his siblings? So he just decided to share that dream. And then he gets sold into slavery. Had he not been sold into slavery, he would have never served Potiphar. Had he never served Potiphar, he would have never had that incident with the wife that would have led him to prison. Had he never been to prison, he may have never gotten out of slavery. So while he's in prison, in his mind, it's... This is the worst thing that could possibly happen. No, it's the best thing that could happen because this is going to be your ticket out. You don't see it yet. Our vantage point is so limited. We're right here, but God is, he sees a much bigger picture, much bigger picture. So had he not been in prison, he wouldn't have met the cupbearer. Had he not met the cupbearer, he wouldn't have been able to get out of prison and become second in command over all of Egypt. And had that not happened, his family would have starved to death and we wouldn't have the Old Testament. It look really, it would look very different. That story would look very different. So you see, if any one thing in your life would be different, everything would be different. So when I say everything is connected to everything else, you got to see how deeply intricate of a thing this is. Everything is connected to everything else so much so, kind of like the butterfly effect. If one thing were different, everything would be different. You may not see it or understand it, but the way that it is right now is perfect. We just got to ask God to give us the eyes to see. You know what gives you the eyes to see? Faith and gratitude. Faith and gratitude will give you the eyes to see how everything is perfectly aligned for your good and for God's glory. Faith and gratitude. Every setback, every mistake, every failure, everything you think is a detour has a hidden significance. So the moment you stop fighting against life, life will stop fighting against you. That's all God's waiting for, for you to stop fighting against the way things are so that you can see the good in the way things are. Every single person in this room has the capacity to get to the point where you wouldn't trade your life for anybody else's. Seriously. I don't care how much money somebody's got or how successful this person may be. When you're really spiritually in tune, you would not trade your life. You would not trade your problems for anybody else's problems because you see the beautiful divine design behind it all. There's a minister in New York who recently passed away. He was very influential in the evangelical world. I learned a lot from him for many years. His name was Tim Keller. Tim Keller started so many churches, and he created a movement of churches. Very inspiring story. And he died maybe just a month ago or something from pancreatic cancer. And there's a pastor friend of mine in Miami who interviewed him about a year and a half ago when he first kind of received this diagnosis. And he asked him, what is it that God is teaching you and showing you right now in this season of your life since you've been given this cancer diagnosis? And again, this is his way of making sense. And 
bringing purpose to what he's going through. I'm not saying it has to be like that for you, but this is an example that I like and I want to offer to you. He said, here's what I know and here's what God is telling me. I am not holy enough yet for God to use me the way he wants to use me in this season of my life. God still has to prepare me and stretch me and grow me. There's some things within me that need to evolve and change. And I don't see any other way for that growth to happen other than this. And then he says, his will is perfect and good. Period. Two years later, he passed away. Probably in his heart and in his spirit, singing praises to the God whose will is perfect and good. I don't know about you. I want to live my life like that. I don't care what it is. Whatever life throws my way, his will is perfect and good. And I may not see it. I may be in prison right now. I may be enslaved right now. I may be at the bottom of the pit. His will is perfect and good. And I'll keep saying it and repeating it to myself until I see that it is true. His will is perfect and good. That's it. It's funny that in the scriptures there's a lot of language that's repeated about predestination. It's a very, uh, you know, theological, philosophical worlds. It's a very hot topic. Everybody debates destiny or free will, you know. It's a fun conversation. Whatever works for you really is how I see it. Because what do we know? We don't know. But this idea that your life has been predestined, I, I find something very beautiful in that. In the Psalms it says that God has written every day of our lives in his book. To, to live, think about what happens to you on the inside, the attitude that you can begin to carry, the grace with which you conduct yourself when you truly, truly know that all of your steps have been ordered by God. To have that deep sense that you are living out God's calling and destiny and purpose for your life. That gives you a sense of inner security that nothing else can in this world. It makes you unshakable, immovable. The reason why we don't like this idea that our life has been destined is because we want to live another life. <laughs> but if you embrace your life, you'll begin to see the wisdom in the way that God does things. And then eventually, you'll stop arguing with the way God does things. Because we've been here before. And I know how it works out. So I'm going to trust that to be the case even now. The scriptures say that God can do infinitely more than you could ever imagine. But if you want to experience that infinitely more than you could ever imagine, you got to let go of the way you imagine things should be. If you don't let go of the way that you imagine things can be or should be, you'll never see how God imagines things for you. I want to kind of zoom out and talk about this theme from a universal, cosmic perspective. You do realize, in order for there to be life on this planet, this universe has to meet certain conditions that are extremely improbable. 
So much so that people who have no room for faith or God actually say, this is so precisely fine-tuned. All of the numbers on the dial are so perfectly adjusted that we're confused because there's no way this could just be random. There's no way that this can just be coincidence. Everything is just way too perfectly aligned for us to even be here breathing. To give you an example, the earth's distance from the sun. If the earth were any closer to the sun, no life on earth. If the earth were just a tad bit further away from the sun, no life on earth. Oxygen, the amount of oxygen that we have in our atmosphere is just the perfect amount. If it were up slightly, a few percentages, no life on earth. Think about gravity. If the force of gravity were any stronger, everything would be pulled together. Stars and planets wouldn't be able to be formed. If it were any weaker, everything would be drifting apart. The universe wouldn't be able to hold itself together. The weight, the mass of the earth, if the earth were any smaller, this planet would look like Mars. It would be dead. It would be barren. So as one philosopher says, it's either coincidence piled on top of coincidence or it is deliberate design. So if this universe at a cosmic level is perfectly and finely tuned, how much more so your individual life? Can it be so that everything in this universe is just so perfectly designed and yet your life is just totally random? <laughs> Look at this quote from uh, Stephen Hawking. He says, The laws of science as we know them at present contain many fundamental numbers, like the size of the electric charge of the electron and the ratio of the masses of the proton and the electron. The remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. Something to think about, something to reflect on. How do we actually live into this truth? I think one concept that is helpful is the spiritual concept of non-doership. Non-doership. Non-doership simply means that we are not the doers of our actions. That we are not in control of our lives. God is the one that does everything. God is the one who is in control of all things. There's one mystic who says, Actions happen. Deeds are done. But there is no individual doer thereof. So this sense that we are separate selves existing in this universe is really just an illusion. Yes, I'm Danny. And that's Jeff, right? And that's Gabby and that's Ryan. Subjectively, we have this sense that we are independent individuals separate from one another. 
But when you enter into the spiritual level of consciousness, you recognize that you exist as a part of an interconnected whole. So think of life as one living organism. Right? So it is really life living through you. You are simply an instrument, a tool in the hands of God. And when you live in this realization, everything changes. The way you experience success changes. The way you experience failure changes. Because if I am not the doer, see, there's two ways that you can attain a, a, a state of total spiritual realization. You take full responsibility for everything in your life, which I talk about often, taking complete and total responsibility for how you experience life, or you can go this other route, the complete opposite way of taking no responsibility for anything. <laughs> I don't talk about that as much because it's a little wild, but that's where I live. <laughs> no, really. If you've experienced success, any little bit of success, I mean, I mean, it happens to me. Any little bit of success, I just start feeling that ego balloon inflating. Look at how great I am. Look at how amazing I am. Really? You know, I, I love taking spiritual truth, the little needle of spiritual truth, and popping the ego, man. You know, but it's beautiful when you can be aware of it when it's happening, you know. You're not going to get rid of the ego, okay? It's going to be there. But it's, it's, it's your child, and you just got to bring him back home every time. Well, Again, we like to take credit for all the success, but when you understand God is the doer of all things, you, you transform all of that energy into praise to God and gratitude to God. You understand? No, it's God that got me here. I can't take credit for this. It's God that opened these doors. And guess what? If you're not taking the praise anymore for all the good stuff that happens in your life, you don't got to take the blame for any of the bad stuff either. You messed up. You failed. You made a mistake. Listen, it's like your, your spiritual truth can be abused. I understand that. You know, that's why I speak words, these words carefully. But really, you don't have to take responsibility. Non-doership allows you to watch your life unfold without investing your sense of self in it. So you, I understand Danny is just a character in a movie. Oh, Danny really messed up there. Okay, what can Danny learn? Okay, great. But I don't need to blame myself or feel guilty because even my mistakes, even my failures. Let me ask you something. If we're going to talk about destiny. What about Judas's kiss? All right, without that betrayal, Jesus doesn't go to the cross. So obviously... God includes the mess-ups and the screw-ups and the mistakes into the divine plan and purpose. That includes your screw-ups, your failures, and your mistakes. So I'm not taking the praise for anything good, and I ain't taking the blame for anything bad. I'll take responsibility, I'll learn, I'll grow. But God is the doer of it all. So, no, it wasn't that person that walked out of my life. No, God had to remove me from the situation. You understand? It wasn't that person that fired me. 
No. God had something new for me to step into. You understand that shift in perception? Once that shift occurs, again, it just all, you just start seeing how beautifully aligned the whole thing is. One last thing I'll say. If you want to see the alignment in your life, you have to live in alignment with the Spirit. There's so much talk these days in wellness and mindfulness spaces about being holistic. I love it. But don't forget, the word holistic contains the word holy. So until you connect with that spiritual dimension of life, that transcendent dimension of life, you're not living holistically. You're missing a key piece, a key ingredient to your joy and your peace and your happiness. To live in alignment with spirit. It's like that song that we sang earlier today. It's this practice of tending to the soil of your soul so that like a garden, you can begin to grow. What are you doing on a daily basis to tend to the garden of your soul? Seeds of love, seeds of hope, seeds of faith, seeds of service, seeds of generosity, seeds of peace and purpose. Cultivate that soil and watch and see how things begin to grow and flourish in your life. Spirituality brings a sense of cohesiveness to life. Because now anything and everything that I go through just falls under that category of God is growing me and teaching me and using me. I don't have any other filter. That's the filter. So that's why in the scriptures they always talk about, you know, God testing you. I don't know if you like that language or if that framework works for you, but, it, it, you know, it works for a lot of people. It works for me. Somebody's being annoying. Oh, yeah, God testing me. You know, somebody's testing my patience. Yeah, God's testing me. Am I going to pass this test? And then you just have fun with it. You got to play this whole thing like a game. Don't take it too seriously. Okay, I love you guys. That was fun. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your perfectly crafted plan for each and every one of our lives. May we have the eyes to see how completely and totally aligned every aspect of our lives are. You have ordered our steps. You have directed our path. May we live in a state of faith and gratitude, celebrating the way that everything is always unfolding for our good, for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom. We thank you, God, that in those moments when we're down and we're in a state of despair, that you never leave our side. You're always right there with us. Help us to trust that that is true even when we can't see how that is so. We accept it even though we don't understand it. We embrace it even though we don't know what it means. And we give ourselves completely and totally to you. Help us to release our agenda so that we can see your agenda come to fruition. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody.